Alright, so let's start with the rapid fire round. The first question is, at what age do you want to retire? <laughs> I don't know yet, I guess as early as possible. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? Yeah, 20 minutes. Most embarrassing moment of your life? I don't know really, I have to admit, right now. Favorite color? Blue. What time of day are you most inspired? In the morning. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Yeah, I guess between six and eight. Fill in the blank, an upcoming technology trend is blank. Meta. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. Haha, <laughs> Athens, Greece. Pick one, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. Haha, <laughs> okay. That's a good question, I guess, Mark Zuckerberg. How do you relax? How am I relaxing? Fishing. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Too many. A habit of yours that you don't like? A habit of mine that I don't like? Uh, always saying yes. Uh, the most valuable skill you've learned in life? Being, you know, uh, communicative and, and flexible. Your favorite Netflix show? My favorite Netflix show. Oh boy. What was it called? With I don't remember the name right now. Um, no, I don't remember. So. Uh, one word description of your leadership style. My description of leadership style. Moderating, I would call it. Memorable career milestone. Yeah, I just had this uh, taking over, you know, a product from another business uh, unit in Bosch. All right, well, that's the end of the rapid fire round. I'll go on to the normal questions that you can answer with as much ease and time as you like. Uh, the first one is you have 20 years of experience in designing and developing innovative solutions across IoT. How has the IoT landscape evolved during your career? And what trends do you find most exciting today? All right. So, I mean, when I started in 2001, right, so uh, it was a company called Prozis Software, and we were focusing already uh, on IoT middleware um, for embedded devices. Uh, back in the days, we didn't use the term IoT, right? So that was, uh, you know, coming in 2005, 2006. But in, in principle, we already did, you know, what we do today, uh, connect, uh, you know, devices um, via gateways and um, I think what has changed is really you know that a lot of new technologies have come into play now most recently Meta which I think is a, a great development right um, what we also uh, have seen is uh, you know over the years the importance of you know cloud uh, you know like for storing analyzing data managing devices but then also Coming back to the edge devices, you know, we have as much as possible, um, you know, business logic on the device near to the asset, if you want, right? Um, so there has been, you know, lots of, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say an even advancement, but it's like, you know, we are coming back to what we, you know, started, if you want, to some some extent, right? 
And um, in 2001, I remember very well, um, I mean, we, we had a solution, in my opinion, for a problem that did not exist. Yeah. So because nobody really wanted to connect, uh, you know, their assets. Um, we, we're talking to car OEMs, for example, right? And like offering an, an open IoT middleware for cars was like, you know, a total no-go to them. It was like evil, if you want, right? Um, yeah, so I think today what, what excites me about IoT is, um, you know, how open um, the environment has become, if you want. Also companies collaborating, yeah, technology enabling this, right? Um, I think where we need to still get better is like, you know, uh, getting the business models to fly for everybody, right? So, And are there any other problems that don't exist yet for which you think you already have solutions? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I don't know if there are any problems that, you know, uh, do not exist, but we have a solution. But uh, in, in principle, uh, you know, what we are good at is like, you know, um, doing software updates on embedded devices, yeah? uh, managing these devices remotely and uh, connecting devices. This, I would call it, is, uh, you know, at least my daily business, if you want, right? And this is always changing, obviously, right? So new technologies come in, right? Uh, you need to do this on different cloud environments and so on. So I think, you know, what you have to do is uh, stay flexible, also in technical uh, terms. Yeah? So could you share some insights into your work in smart home technology and energy management? I mean, uh, when I started at Prozis uh, back then, right, so which Bosch acquired in 2015, I would say smart home was our biggest market, right? Um, so back then, you know, we were talking about technologies like Z-Wave, Zigbee and so on to connect devices in the homes. Um, today, I think the most exciting development to me is like, you know, Meta, um, which is basically an evolution of Zigbee and Thread, right? where also other big players uh, participate, uh, you know, namely Google, Apple, uh, Amazon and so on, right? Which, uh, in my opinion, really helps us to build like a truly interoperable ecosystem. We still have to see yeah, how it uh, will play out. We are still in early stages, um, but I believe this is like, you know, a, a very big uh, step forward. And in terms of energy management, um, in, in Germany, we have a, a, a technology that is called EEBUS, um, which is basically, you know, uh, enabling devices at home, be it, you know, energy consumers or energy producers to communicate with each other. Um, and uh, this enables various use cases for e-mobility, for white good appliances and so on, right? Many other types of devices, also HVAC. Um, and I think this is also very crucial. Yeah? And um, so we do have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of customers that basically use um, our Bosch IoT Edge services, which is implementing this EEBus technology yeah? um, in order to avoid all these issues that are, you know, coming with, you know, a large rollout of electric vehicles and so on, right? So in your view, how do consumer preferences and demands influence the direction of innovation in the smart home technology sector? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you, you, you see this really in the sense like, you know, which devices are like on like mass market devices, really. Right. So, I mean, you know, 
uh, with Alexa or the Echo devices, uh, with the Apple and Google, um, you know, devices there, right? Um, and I think, you know, with this, you collect a lot of inputs, yeah, um, what, what users really want to do at home, right? Um, and I believe, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a sad thing in the end, but, you know, the war in Ukraine also forced us to really, you know, think about how we can reduce energy at home, right? How can we, you know, optimize heating and all this, right? Um, and I, I believe there's still a lot of innovation, you know, coming, you know, from, from basically bringing all the different... Uh, Yeah, assets that you have in a home yeah, together and and to to analyze this yeah and to to learn and and then also um, implement new features on top of it right so which in turn really uh, yeah shall bring new optimizations right so so let's talk about something else you're a founding member of several open source initiatives what drives your passion for open source projects so, I mean, um, generally, I have always been, um, basically since the beginning, uh, you know, as I joined uh, Pulses Software, um, a, a big believer in open standards, right? So, because this is really, you know, what brings, you know, the community together, right? Which, uh, you know, allows you to build ecosystems, right? And uh, so, open standards is one way. Uh, open source is the other way, right? And um, so Bosch has been for many years already um, a big promoter of, uh, for example, the Eclipse Foundation, right? So we have several open source projects, um, which is the foundation of our IoT platform, right? And so we do this for several reasons. Um, one is also for pure internal reasons, because Working within, you know, uh, Bosch between different business units, you always have, you know, the struggle who owns which IP, for example, right? So with this, we solve this problem, basically, if you want, right? And uh, Bosch also, from early on, uh, recognized, yeah, uh, we cannot do this alone, right? So, so we need ecosystems and uh, we need a community let's say around our platforms if you want and in our opinion open source is the way to go so in your experience what role does telematics play in vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to infrastructure communication how is this technology shaping the future of transportation and safety I, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, a, a very changing environment right now, right? So if you look at what is happening in cars, uh, I mean, also what the OEMs now do, right? So coming up with their new operating systems, in-car operating systems, um, various software-defined vehicle initiatives uh, and so on. Um, the fact that 5G is now, you know, uh, yeah, coming or there if you want, right? So... Um, I mean, all this uh, in the end will play towards car to car, uh, car to infrastructure communication, enabling new services for, for safety, right? Uh, but also, um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like uh, what you call it, location based services, if you want, right? Um, and we are, for example, working on uh, connected uh, tires right now, which we believe is also, you know, a big thing which is highly underestimated right because uh, a tire is a tire right but if you connect it yeah 
you can basically uh, add value to it, not just for safety, but also for fuel or energy consumption in the end, right? Um, I think, you know, we still have to see how this ecosystem will play out, right? Um, but, I mean, cars will be connected, cars will be electric, uh, cars will be, you know, software defined, right? So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. So tires collecting data seems like a really new concept. Could you talk more on the technology and sensors involved in this data collection process? Sure. So, I mean, um, the way this works today, right? So we focus as of now on, for example, trucks, agriculture vehicles, this sort of vehicles where you have like an immediate benefit, yeah? Where you have companies with fleets, yeah? Um, so we basically put a, a sensor in the tire. It doesn't have to come from Bosch. Also, lots of tire manufacturers already have their own sensors, right? But what they lack today is really the capability to combine this with data that is coming from the car. And this is where, you know, Bosch comes into play, right? So because we can provide, for example, a telematics unit, we can connect, let's say, the sensor basically, um, um, collect the data from the car, see, uh, you know, with analytics, what's the wear and tear of the tire, uh, can, you know, um, give uh, recommendations for like how, um, you know, how much pressure, you know, the tire should have in order, for example, to reduce fuel consumption and things like this, right? So uh, it's it's rather simple. Um, in the, the sensor itself, uh, you know, talks Bluetooth low energy. Um, today could also be some other wireless technology. Then we have a receiving unit um, that collects the data. And then the telematics unit basically, you know, combines data from the vehicle with a tire sensor and we send it, you know, if you want to the cloud to do some, you know, uh, analytics around it and give, uh, you know, recommendations, warnings, whatever is necessary. So real-time analytics is often discussed, uh, but what are the specific challenges in implementing it? And how does it differ from analyzing historical data? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the thing is, I mean, it, it depends. It's, I mean, it's it's like a broad question here, right? But uh, I mean, uh, depending on the use case, right? You get a lot of data. Uh, most cases, unstructured data, right? So and they could come from multiple sources, right? So the, there could be, you know, data from the tire. There could be weather information from that you get from the cloud, if you want, from a, a service and so on, right? And uh, I mean, in, in especially in safety critical uh, uh, use cases, right? So you need this real time capability, right? Um, so and that means basically you have to do this uh, as close to the edge, yeah, where you know the use case is happening, right? Um, and um, yeah, so that's basically you know what we try to do, right? Um, use the analytics, yeah. Um, we get unstructured data from different sources. We, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, do our analytics at the edge, right? And then basically add value um, to the specific use case. So could you share a specific project or use case where Bosch has successfully implemented real-time analytics, uh, demonstrating its benefits in practice? I mean, there, there are probably many use cases that I'm not even aware of, right? So the... Uh, the tire, uh, you know, use case is one example, right? So especially for safety critical, uh, you know, um, yeah, use cases, right? So the tire is about to to blow, for example, right? So I mean, this you don't want to get from the cloud, right? 
Um, but there are also many use cases, especially in, in factories, right? So where you get like lots of data from multiple machines, right? Um, you want to do like predictive maintenance, for example, right? So meaning, for example, one machine, let's just say it's heating up for unknown reason. Yeah. Um, and you want to sort of, um, you know, analyze what is the root cause, right? Um, and yeah, this is what you can do basically, you know, if done, right? Yeah, uh, what you can do with um, uh, real-time analytics at the edge, right? So let's talk a bit about SaaS and PaaS. So SaaS and PaaS are crucial components of modern software development. How do these services contribute to the success of IoT projects? And what challenges do developers face when working with them? Yeah, I think this is a, a, a good question because, I mean, if you if you look at it, uh, what has happened in the past few months, I guess, right? So uh, many uh, yeah, players yeah, uh, basically, let's say, stopped their IoT business or there is some, some kind of consolidation ongoing, right? And I believe one of the reasons is really, uh, especially when you have, you know, a SaaS or a PaaS offering, you have infrastructure costs. Right. Um, so, I mean, you, you build it for like, you know, a large amount of customers for large amounts of data coming in and so on. Right. Um, and uh, I think the problem that many players had is really the fact that this was, you know, too expensive and they, you know, didn't get any profit or not enough profit out of it. Right. Um, I, I believe it's still crucial to have, you know, um, you know, IoT platforms as, as a service available, right? Especially, you know, when you start with small volumes, right? Uh, but what we do see now is that, uh, you know, a lot of customers uh, are interested in, for example, on-premise deployments to, to manage their cost in a better way, if you want, right? Um, yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, you know, my, my answer to this. So what advice would you give uh, to organizations seeking to navigate the complex landscape of SaaS and PaaS integration within their IoT initiatives? I, I mean, it depends on the maturity, obviously, right? So if you start from, from zero, I would suggest to get advice, right? So, I mean, it doesn't need to be like an expensive, uh, let's say, uh, a consulting company, right? Uh, but companies that have experience yeah, in building, deploying this type of uh, uh, yeah, systems, I would call it, right? And, you know, uh, discuss the use case, discuss, you know, potential deployment models and, you know, what it means in terms of of costs, right? And, and uh, so on, right? I mean, in, in the end, right? So it... it the business model is crucial, right? So, and, and you need to, let's say, obviously start small, but you need to think how you grow and how also your costs develop, right? And uh, this is, yeah, difficult exercise, obviously, right? So, so ambient assisted living is an area of growing importance, especially in aging societies. How can IoT technologies improve the quality of life for elderly individuals? I think, I mean, since... I, I've done my first uh, ambient assisted living project in the early 2000s, if you want, right? So uh, in, in the end, right? So uh, there, there's a lot that can be done for, you know, for safety, if you want, for the elderly people, right? So be it sleep, be it, you know, if they fall or so, right? But also to keep them active, yeah? So that they are not bored at home and so on, right? 
Um, so the, the problem really is, is, is not the technology. Technology is already there. Uh, there are many companies that have offerings, right? From like, you know, connected pillows to fall sensors, you name it, right? The problem is really, um, you know, on the, I would call it user side. And um, by this, I mean, actually, you know, the acceptance of, uh, you know, using this technology, right? Because elderly people, uh, you know, feel let's say, monitor, right? Um, and, and uh, you know, it's in some cases maybe even too, too modern for them because they feel like, you know, um, they have to adjust, their, let's say, their lifestyle if you want, right? And that's, I think, the, the challenge. You see certain countries where, you know, ambient-assisted living is really, like, on the forefront, uh, especially UK comes to my mind, right? Uh, but in many other countries, I think, you know, it probably will work for our age, yeah. Um, but for the current elderly people, I think it's it's uh, it's still a challenge to convince them to accept this kind of technology. Okay, so the last question for you is of a personal kind. What would you be doing in your life if not this right now? <laughs> what would I be doing? That's a good question. I guess, uh, I mean, I'm living in Greece, you know, I would probably spend a lot of time at the beach. 